Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly, their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. This is Aaron. And this is Paul. Welcome back. We see we told you we'd be right back. Right? No more six six month hiatus. We're right back. So you And know, you we, just jinxed it. So we'll see you at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> hey Paul, I got a question for you. Uh oh. This is uh this is Star Trek adjacent. Mm-hmm. Um uh are you using any of the new AI, like the AI art generators or the you know, AI text generators like ChatGPT or Starry AI? You using I am any not. Of that? I have not, I should say. You haven't played around with it at all? Yeah. Well, you know... Uh, I'm not I, cool. I, we were kidding around in our Funny Books chat. I had been trying to get the ChatGPT... To generate some, you know, caustic commentary and poetic form about Wayne. And it just wouldn't do it, you know, because I was like, not. I saw that. That was hilarious. The, the AI was like, no, I can't say negative things. It's- yeah, it, it was, you know, telling me that because I was I, it wasn't just that I wanted it wanted it to comment on what a terrible person Wayne is. <laughs> it was that I wanted it to talk about what a terrible person Wayne is and the fact that as a ginger, he has no soul. And, you know, it sort of regarded, uh, you know, gingers as a protected class. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and would not would not participate in any sort of discriminatory ginger bashing. So I'm of two minds on this. Okay. In one sense, I'm like, okay, I'm glad they have programmed into our AI to not be evil. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> on the flip side of that, the fact that AI is doing is not willing to do something that I'm telling it to do. <laughs> <laughs> is deeply concerning. It's also deeply concerning. <laughs> well, I have been messing around a lot with the art generators. Mm-hmm. And uh, in particular, I, I lean uh, pretty close into Starry AI and um, – I have been... lots of monkeys doing stuff. Check out our check out our Instagram feed, IOM Geek. There's well, a lot of monkeys on there. And what I'm doing is, is I'm I'm generating character art for uh, my sandbox RPG, this Empire Earth. And so, you know, I've, I've generated the, you know, uplifted chimpanzees in the service of the Imperial Navy. I've done a lot of cyborgs and robots and uh, gorillas in war suits and. Uh, the thing that you know when you're when you're entering in what you want the generator to do you kind of you kind of describe you know what you want it to do and so you know i'll i'll put in something like you know uh show me a man uh you know doing x y and z or show me a woman doing x y and z and every time i enter in that type of command where i say man or woman it only generates white people images oh i would like to propose that perhaps the AI is racist. I can believe it. Despite chat GPTs, you know, uh, omitting, you know, refusing to participate in any sort of uh, ginger bashing. Starry AI clearly, I mean, and I'm generating eight images at a time and I'm doing a lot of images, you know, a lot of sequences and Unless I tell it, you know, generate something ethnic, to give me something Asian, a black person, whatever. Unless I am very specific that I want someone of, a, of an, uh, an ethnic nature, it will only generate white people. Interesting. And I, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't know where to report this to the AI masters, but uh, <laughs> AI to Skynet. Yeah, I, but I'm just like, damn. <laughs> you know, because you know, you would think if you if you punch in, you know, because if you're literally just saying, give me someone male, give me someone female, that it would 
give you a range of people. And, you know, really it's, uh, it, it's a bunch of white dudes and a bunch of white ladies. Mm. Yeah. So, so when I'm, Skynet gets gained sentience. Well, and, and, you know, I just wonder, you know, uh, the AI, you know, in Star Trek, you know, how they worked those bugs out, you know, because <laughs> and the reason why I ask is I have been building my own artificial intelligence. <laughs> Hold on. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have been building my own artificial intelligence. You know, one we have had challenges getting, uh, you know, coordinating schedules in, you know, for the podcast. And so I have been generating my own artificial intelligence podcast co-host. Oh, I thought this was going to be a reference to, like, training your dogs to do something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those are my cyborg dogs, and I've been working on those in the garage. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. But, yeah, you know, coming soon. I mean, I don't probably – uh, I like it. I like it. I can sleep in. Yeah, the, uh, not, not, not that I can sleep in. Once you hit your 40s, that 5 a.m. comes regardless of yeah. if you wanted to or not. Yeah, no, I, I feel you there. You know, mine has been four o'clock, four thirty. So, uh, you know, because I've got a, I've got an elder dog who requires me to get up because you know, I can hear him down the hall going, "Wake up, asshole, and fix me breakfast." <laughs> See, that's why you need AI dogs. That's right. That's why I need my cyborg dogs. You just plug them into the wall. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> overnight. But yeah, you know, uh, you know, Aaron with, uh, you know, AI co-host could be coming soon. Just saying. Mm, mm. We're still working AI out. AI co-host needs a name. Well, he does have a name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll share that at some point. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> you know, Star Trek adjacent. Uh-huh. You know, while you're trying to launch your, your, <laughs> your AI, po- you know, podcast co-host uh, spinoff. Uh-huh. You know, we, 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 no, we I wouldn't open... call it a spinoff. I'd call it a replacement, Paul. <laughs> replacement. <laughs> Even better for me. It's like Kelly Ripa uh, getting a new co-host. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, speaking of, of, of whatever, replacement, I guess it is kind of a replacement. You know, we have um, we have often tried to backdoor pilot our Jellystone podcast. Right. Out of this Star Trek thing, just because it's on Paramount+. Plus. Now I I have not even started this season of Mayor of Kingstown, Aaron. I am uh, midway through season one. I I relented and uh, uh, decided to go ahead and start watching Mayor of Kingstown. What do you think so far? It's gotten better. Um, it gets better. I, passing episode, I find. Yeah, I I would agree. It's not. Some, I have to tell you that the uh, the turn that happens with the uh, young woman. You know mm-hmm. who is who was a high high priced uh, prostitute and uh, then becomes not so much. Uh, it is really hard to watch. Uh, yeah, the, the abuse she endures uh, is really hard to watch, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. So I don't know how that resolves, but uh, boy, it's rough. You'll see. It, it it resolves in a very satisfying satisfying manner. I will say. Okay. Um, you know, kind of like uh, 1923. Because are you on 19? Have you been oh, watching? Yeah, I, I am current on 1923. As am I. And, uh, you know, the, the uh, rainwater um, descendant, or I shouldn't say, what do you call it? Uh, ancestor. Uh-huh. Um, that's, sort of, that's brutal to watch, too. It is, but I tell you what, you know, uh, and what Paul's talking about is there is a character in the show who is the uh, ancestor of, uh, what's her name on the show? Uh I don't recall. I mean, I, she's an ancestor of uh, Jeremiah Rainwater, right. but I don't exactly remember yeah. her first name off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm just I can't remember. But anyway, she is in one of those awful schools that uh, they had in the West to re-educate Indian women to be good husbands to white men, right? You know, to, to mm-hmm. settlers. And, you know, it's just abusive and awful. And there are there is a, a moment in one of the early episodes where the nun is just knocking the crap out of her with yeah. the, the ruler across the, the hands. And, you know, I'm sitting there watching the show going, I would punch that bitch in the face. You know, none and all. I would knock that bitch out. And she gets up and just cold cocks. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. <laughs> There I, are, I, and and they do terrible things to her. You know, every time she she pushes back, they push back harder. And then you know, the the scene and spoilers. You know, where she is, uh, she's like you know fed up, and in the middle of the night, she's you know uh, reaches over to her friend. And she says, "I'm going to borrow your Bible." 
<laughs> and sticks it in her in a pillowcase with her Bible. And I'm like, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> I've seen a few good men. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and obviously you are listening to this podcast to, to talk for us to hear us talk about Star Trek. But um, 1923, I am quite enjoying and I'm enjoying it earlier in the season than I did even 1883. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I, I actually really recommend it. Um, but I think one, of, but the one of the reasons I bring up, uh, you know, again the spinoffs and the uh, replacements is, you know, there is a current rumor, and I, I'm sure you've heard about it, that Kevin Costner, due to his upcoming filming commitments, you know, he it was announced that he would be working on his own epic western. Uh, I think like I don't know if it's a miniseries or a series of movies or something like that. Um, that due to this, you know, the schedule that for that he is pushing back on the schedule that um, is required of him for Yellowstone. And it's causing a lot of animosity between him and Taylor Sheridan. Yeah, I hear Taylor leader. Sheridan is not happy. I wouldn't be either. That's yeah. your cash cow, right? Yeah. Um, but Taylor Sheridan is also not stupid. Right. So the current word on the street is that, you know, the Yellowstone as we know it. Well, and so just tying this all together to Paramount Plus, Yellowstone is not available on Paramount Plus. Before Paramount Plus was a thing, streaming rights were sold to Peacock. Right. So it does not behoove paramount to keep investing in the yellowstone show right versus ending it still air is air you know replacing it with something that also airs on paramount network that they all that they can also get the streaming rights off of right um so you know the, the current rumor is that you know yellowstone as we know it may be ending either with this coming half season or maybe in the following season to be replaced by one potentially two shows mm. um you know go ahead i well i just gotta say had you had this news come out last season, I would have been very unhappy. Yeah. The fact that it's coming out this season when I feel like Yellowstone is such weak sauce. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually kind of okay with that. Well, and I feel I, like I, I'm ready for some resolution on yeah. some of these ongoing plot threads. Well, and it's funny to me because I feel like he they are expending all their creative energy in the spinoffs. And not nearly so much in Yellowstone itself. I feel like, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of must. You and I've talked about this. There's a lot of mustache twirling in Yellowstone, yeah. particularly this season. You know, everyone is very, very bad or very, very good. Mostly very, very bad. Um, but you know, it's every time the they they brought in another uh, Native American person to be, you know, even more of an antagonist to uh, the Dutton family. And I mean, every time she's on screen, it's like, nah, nah. yeah, she is, she is just terrible. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like the the acting on this show is soap opera level. Yeah. Uh, this season. And I've, you know, I've never felt that way about it previously, but this season, I'm just like, God, you know, the, the way the story is being told, the way, you know, uh, the, the way the characters are depicted, I just don't care, but I am enjoying 1923. Uh, mm -hmm. the story that I particularly enjoy in 1923 are the rainwater story and in particular, the John Smith, the spencer story i can't remember his name oh yeah the spencer yeah spencer's yeah. story and that is my favorite part of the show it's very uh it, i don't want to say indiana jones but it's very you know like um well it's a set in that era right i mean it's yeah, that, that you know african queen uh -huh. you know type uh, post world type war one pre-world war two uh very much a you know and the way it starts with him it's very much a ghost in the darkness kind of thing <sighs> love ghost in the darkness i know right and it's just very <laughs> evocative of that and i i like him i like the chemistry he's got uh with his now wife um mm -hmm. but and you know the the promise of the show helen mirren's great in it by the way oh yeah uh harrison ford i'm so glad that they you know put him in a in a coma for a while because he was acting so sleepy i need thought he needed the rest but uh, i gotta tell you he woke up out of that coma and i'm like holy crap harrison ford remembered how to act coming exactly to five exactly six, whatever episode yeah. just came out i was like harrison um, ford remembered that he's an actor yeah about fucking time yeah. uh what I what I like about the show is the promise of how much ass kicking is going to occur yes. when Spencer arrives. My I, I feel confident that he arives on the last episode. Yeah, and it'll be a season two will be the ass kicking. Correct. 
Yeah. And that's I, I'm just like, God, I want to see him World War One all over these sons of bitches. You know, yeah, you brought me home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, I cannot wait for that. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I'm truly enjoying 1923. And, you know, have you heard the rumors on the replacement show or shows for, for actual Yellowstone if Kevin Costner does, in fact, leave? I have not. So one of the rumors is that, um, you know, that they are heavily pursuing and no one is denying Matthew McConaughey. Oh, yeah, um, I saw that. I saw now, that. I would find that very intriguing mm-hmm. if. You know, because they've been hinting at this Four Sixes Ranch right. show for for oh, years now, yeah. and he is just the perfect guy, I think, for that show. Yep. Because it, it ain't Jimmy. Jimmy's not going to lead a show. Um, <laughs> you get McConaughey, then then we're set. Um, the other rumor, which I just saw the other day, was Kurt Russell. I saw that too. I saw. In fact, and, I saw uh, that you know, this morning. I feel like yeah. if you want to keep a show in Montana, Kurt Russell is probably your perfect guy. Yeah. For that show, um, you know, and if they continue down the pathway of, uh, you know, the, these prequels, Kurt Russell could technically be that, you know, John Dutton's dad, right. t- technically be Kevin Costner's dad or or, you know, a new guy taking over the ranch. I, mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of possibilities. And I was talking to someone yesterday about this. I don't recall a movie with Kurt Russell that I did not care for. I would agree with that. I would agree. Even with Escape that. from L.A. I, it, yeah. it had it it, it, it. it was fun. Yeah. No. I, and I like the idea of Snake Plissken being a Dutton. Right. You, know? you got to yeah. give him an eye patch. Oh, God, fuck yeah. <laughs> he could be a long lost brother. Who the hell knew that? Yeah. Uh, you know, Tim McGraw had a brother. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, and you had mentioned that it took you a while to warm up to 1883. I loved 1883 from the jump. I thought. I thought that was. It, it, I love the cattle drive stories. I love mm-hmm. you know the the migration into the West. I will say the thing that I found frustrating about 1883 is one, that's only one season, and two, uh, it seems like a lot of the important stuff happens off screen after the yeah. show is ended. You know, I'm like, okay, well, if you were going to have them, you know, die in a blizzard, shouldn't maybe I have seen that? <laughs> there <laughs> you is know? that, right? You yeah. know, and um, and obviously we saw Tim McGraw's character pass away in, in Yellowstone itself. Right. But, um but yeah, the, but yeah the, not the ending of the show. I mean, that's just yeah. weird to me that so much of that's important to the story of those characters we just hear talked about or see it in flashes in a, a completely different series. Yeah, and, and the I know pro- they're doing like a spinoff movie um, to 1883, mm-hmm. um, the base, the Bass Reeves story. Oh yeah. You know, Bass Reeves has uh, really grown in popularity over the last couple of years. I mean, he shows up uh, in comic books now, but he also uh, showed up in Around the World in 80 Days, the the BBC show uh, mm-hmm. that was on Masterpiece Theater here in the States. Um, he's There is another Bass Reeves movie coming, I believe, because there's already been one. Um, but, you know, Bass Reeves, if you don't know, is the, is the African-American real-life Texas ranger or you i'm sorry u.s marshal on whom the lone ranger was based yeah uh and of course we whitewashed the story to make him a white dude in a mask versus you know a black fella but uh the, the history of bass reeves is just fascinating and, well, and it's got I, a hell of a cast you've yeah. got uh david oyelowo mm-hmm. as uh, bass reeves you got dennis quaid in it i mean just High caliber actors yeah. that, that still want to work with Taylor Sheridan. Someone still wants to work with Taylor Sheridan. Kevin. You know, I, I what I find interesting is you know Taylor Sheridan is responsible for this resurgence in Kevin Costner. Not that he's ever really been gone, but he hasn't been box office in a while. Yeah, and I you know you dance with the one that brung you. You yeah. know, I, I I really think that 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 is kind of a shitty thing to do. Yeah. On the flip side of things, you know. It's one of those things that at some point, when you have a, an actor the caliber of of Kevin Costner, who who you know who who is known for 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 such great Academy Award winning movies, you have to know that it's a limited time. Yeah, and I you know I think when, when oh they yeah first I mean up, I don't think he anticipated it was going to go to six seasons, and he couldn't do anything <laughs> right. in that time, you know, except that one movie with uh, um was it uh. Superman's mom, um, Diane Lane. Uh huh. You talking yeah, about other Man of Steel? Which was a solid movie. <laughs> what? You talking about Man of Steel? Yeah. No, no, no. They were actually in a movie called Let Him Go. Oh yeah. Okay. That was a good movie. I haven't seen it. Very sure. Very, very Taylor Sheridan, even though it's not by him. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. I mean, so 
dear listener, if you are interested in the jelly st- in this kind of conversation, <laughs> let us know on our social media, IOM Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, um, because clearly <laughs> we enjoy talking about it. We do, we do. But you know, we also enjoy talking about Star Trek what? comics. Oh, that's right, Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, there is, you shared this with me the other day, IDW, you know, we, we talked about last week that there are th- currently three Star Trek comics being published by IDW, about to be four because the the spinoff from the current Star Trek, no uh, colon comic book, yeah. is going to be Star Trek Defiance featuring Worf, and I think that comes out either this month or next. Yeah, I think March. Um, but we got news that they're doing a follow-up to Star Trek The Motion Picture, you know, shortly uh, the events of that film having occurred just shortly thereafter in the pages of this, I think, five-issue miniseries, mm-hmm. uh, you know, telling the story of what happened right after that. So uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of eager to see that. Yeah, it's interesting. It's written by Mike, jo- excuse me, Mark Guggenheim, right? Um, who is the creator of the TV shows Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow. You know, he's he's that guy who, who right. runs all those CW TV shows. Who suddenly um, finds himself with time on his hands, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's interesting, right? It's it's literally it takes place like you said right after the events of the 1979 motion picture. Um, you know, that's a time period that I don't think we've seen explored very often. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see if there's a reason it hasn't been explored very often yeah. or if it's worth worth visiting. Marvel Comics had a run of that. And then, of course, there was the the uh, comic yeah. strip that was uh, created for UK audiences, but ran here in the US as well. That did some some post uh, motion picture stuff. Mm-hmm. But largely what we've seen in comics with the original crew is post Wrath of Khan, right? Yeah. So it'll it, it it will be nice to see in comic book form the exploration of, of that period. You know, we we saw a lot of exploration of that period in the novels. Uh, Entropy effect comes to mind, but uh, you know, again, not so much in the comics. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah. I struggle with this kind of stuff. You know, I'll, I'll give it a shot, of course, but I right. struggle with um, you know, tales set between movies. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Marvel has has basically made their business on Star Wars between you know, the first volume, I think, was set, you know, was set between episodes four and five. I think the current volume is still set between Empire Strikes Back and um, Return of the Jedi. I could be wrong there. Right. But I mean, you kind of know that nothing material can actually happen. Right. To, to the core cast, because, right. you know, there, there's another movie. Um, I, yeah. I, I but, but you know, you. Th- I think the story you can tell in that space. I don't think they're going to tell it here in Echoes, but I think the story you can tell in that space is Chekhov leaving the crew of the Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, Kirk making the decision to give up the chair again and and go and you know uh, run Starfleet Academy. Right. Mm. Uh, you know the the choice that you know Spock decides to also you know be become a training captain, you know, and just kind of moving those characters around. I think that can be interesting. Um, so I think yeah. I, while you know no one's going to die, you can certainly show the development of these characters and and give them an opportunity to do something else. You know, yeah. just, just because we haven't seen certain aspects of these characters. Uh, in their personal lives means that th- as long as you don't kill the character off, you can do all kinds of things, you know, yeah. uh, you know, in their in their personal backstory. And I, I think that might be interesting. Yeah. So, so. we shall see. Well, you yeah. know, uh, Star Trek, uh, the motion picture Echoes um, was just announced. So I'm not entirely sure when it when it comes out. I want to say it was April or May. Yeah, I think you're right. It was in time uh, for solicits. So I think it's April or May. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. But so I, we've been dancing around it, Paul. We've been Are we dancing ready? around it. I think we're ready. Uh, I'm ready. Okay. Okay. I wasn't sure if there was anything else you wanted to talk this, about before we went. This was all foreplay. I'm ready now. <laughs> okay. Well, obviously, the reason we have an episode so soon after our last episode is because Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 1. The um, final season. The final season, the first episode titled The Next Generation, uh, came out uh, as of this recording yesterday. So you have some fresh thoughts from Aaron and myself. And I will say, Aaron, before we get into the, the commentary on the episode, I almost, almost watched The Ready Room um, related <laughs> to this episode. Now, I haven't yet, but I actually think I might. Be- just because, it, it, you know, the little bit that I saw features a lot of interviews with Jonathan Frakes and, you know, mm-hmm. some of the original cast. And I'm like, ah, damn it. I do kind of want to that. I watched and it last night. Was it worth it? You know, because it's episode one, 
there's a lot they can't talk about, and there's oh, a whole, whole lot of, well, you know, I really can't talk about that, Will. <laughs> and I, I would say that it it's certainly not very relevatory other than to see, I think Terry Metalis, who was interviewed on there as well, had mm. two things that I think are noteworthy. One is that he said there are a lot of character appearances in this season that we have not disclosed. You know, people that we know uh, that, that they have not disclosed and they're going to wait and spring it on you in the episode that it occurs in. So that has me excited. Uh, now, he's on record as saying that Janeway will not, despite her mention in episode one, mm-hmm. she will not appear in uh, Star Trek Picard. But uh, I, I am encouraged that there are some some other you know characters who, who are going to show up. And, you know, they might not get a lot of screen time. They might just be cameos. But, you know, there's no reason to not bring some. some some of our Star Trek friends, you know, into this last hurrah for the next generation crew. Um, I also wonder, you know, in, in today's environment, producers and writers will straight up lie to you. Oh, yeah. I know. Absolutely. <laughs> straight so, up. And, and, you know, Kurtzman, uh, uh, you know, on the, the Strange New World side of the house has lied to us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they will they will absolutely lie to you. Yeah. Though I think the Janeway... Um, show that's been hinted at is not set in this time period mm-hmm. um so maybe maybe there's some accuracy there he but. did tease stories occurring after picard um hmm. you know that they they, they, yeah. they set up the ending of the series to enable additional stories with some of the characters uh but they also talk about how it's not, and and Patrick Stewart made mention of this as well, that it is set up to not just close out some stories of this era of Star Trek, but also um, set up for a next generation of Star Trek characters in the 25th century. Well, yeah, and, we've seen two of them introduced in this first episode. Right. Well, and I, I got to say, uh, I am very encouraged that I feel like Paramount Plus is looking hard at telling stories in the 25th century. And as as much as I enjoy Strange New Worlds, I am deeply excited about the possibilities of having an ongoing series set in this era. Because uh, I, I really miss this era, and it's so well-defined. I still think there's so much possibility there. Uh, that is really what I'm interested in. Yeah, so agreed. I, I, you know, there everything else in the episode. I, I felt like the 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 this episode of Ready Room in particular, because there was so much they couldn't talk about, needed some editing. Uh, the camera spends a lot of time, as always, in the Ready Room, uh, schmoozing between you know Will Wheaton and his guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know him doing his his very charming voice. <laughs> drives me batshit. Uh, I like Fuck Will. You and your charmingness, Will. Well, he's just. Will. He's just. I hope you know that just warms my Star Trek heart. And you know, do you feel special being part of this special family of ours? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Damn I'm like, yeah, slap him. I mean, I just wish Patrick Stewart would just stand up and slap him. You know, <laughs> knock that shit off. <laughs> but. Uh, one of the things I find interesting is, you know, Gates McFadden, you know, uh, clearly has had some work done. Yeah. Uh, but she looks more natural. She looks more real uh, sitting on the couch talking to Will Wheaton than she does on screen. Uh, and I'm like, I wonder why that is. You know, she just she just seems more uh, more of a human being. And, and, you know, maybe it's just the way they have her make made up in, uh, in, in the, the show. show. Yeah. But I'm just like, I, I prefer the person on the couch. Not that I'm, I'm objecting to the person in the show. But, you know, sometimes uh, people after they have had cosmetic surgery just seem too stretched. You know, they mm-hmm. just their faces are too tight. <laughs> I just I, I really appreciated uh, her appearance more. And I don't mean to objectify her as a person. It's just, you know, aesthetically, I, I was like, I, I think I prefer this person over here versus the yeah. one over here. And I don't understand. Is it? I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. But <laughs> anyhow, uh, I, I, I think you can pass on this episode of The Ready Room, Paul. OK, I, I, there's, I will there's not on. a whole lot there. It's just all a bunch of isn't it cool to be back playing Star Trek. Yeah. But that said, um, I'm really curious to know what you thought about episode one, Paul. Not of the ready room, but of <laughs> season three, 
a Picard. Picard. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just wanted to watch the ready room. I didn't want to watch the show. I just wanted yeah, to watch the ready just, room. The ready room. I'm a big you know, ready I love, room I love fan. Some, some Will Wheaton. Big um, ready room fan. <laughs> huge. Before I get into um, ready room with Aaron and Paul. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're going to do a, pre, a post show about the post show. Yeah. Um, before I get into the episode proper, I think one of the things that I will say that struck me very, very early on in this episode. Um, well, two things struck me um, related. One, I felt I felt within the first 15 minutes um, that this is the show I wanted from Picard to begin with. Right. Um, I felt that very early on in the episode. I also once I had that thought, it struck me as. While I appreciate what Paramount is trying to do and draw more eyes to Paramount Plus and, you know, that they're invested in Star Trek as a television property, it, it hit me that I would, you know, I know this is eight hours of television, but I feel if you it, remove the Paul, it's, fat, it's 10 hours of television. <laughs> I know it's 10 hours of television, <laughs> but I feel um, with proper writing and removing the fat, they probably could get a great two and a half hour send off to these characters in in cinemas versus you know a, a television show that they will typically fluff for you know terry metallis talked about that in the ready room see i tell you you got to watch this show paul yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you know what i i well i'm while I appreciate bringing all these characters together and I appreciate that they started as television, I, I feel like if I'm going to send them off, I would have rather sent them off in a, in a, in a motion picture yeah. than in a TV show. Said, you know, his thing is, is that it's essentially five motion pictures um, and that uh, they never would have been able to do the things they're doing with like Beverly Crusher uh, and some of the other characters, you know, who don't get a lot of time you know, in film, uh, a lot of, a lot of points were made about how Beverly Crusher was essentially not in the last two Star Trek movies, right? You know, that she, yeah. she that her role is very forgettable, uh, in both of those. And so that was why he really wanted to lean in to telling a Beverly, Beverly Crusher story, um, you know, because it felt right for the character. Plus he wanted to do some things that would be just so out of left field for the character, you know, making her an action hero. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, he said, you know, if you were, yeah, you get to spend a lot more money and spend a lot more time crafting your scenes in a motion picture. And he says, but, you know, at the most, at the most, you'd make a three hour film uh, and you would not get to spend the quality time that we're getting to spend. And I know you're concerned about fat on the bone, but Paul. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I, I've mentioned before that there are people in the industry whose opinion I trust about Star Trek, uh, um, and I have heard them all who've watched at least the first six episodes, you know, have said, this is fantastic. I mean, to, to a person, they're like, this is fantastic. Uh, so, well, I mean... You know, I mean, it's not like I'm, a, I'm complaining, but I feel like, well, when we get to episode 10... I wonder if I will have the same satisfaction yeah. as I would have if I, you know, watched a movie and saw, you know, the end credits with everyone's, you know, signature. Right. Yeah. You, you know, want the, you want the Star Trek six moment, right? I want the Star Trek six moment yeah. for this cast and crew. And we it certainly didn't happen with Nemesis. And it's not, you know, I feel like a, a television show on Paramount Plus isn't it either. Now, regardless, right. you know, if I end the 10 episodes, I'm like, yes, there was 10 episodes, even though I, I haven't I don't remember the last time I saw a 10 episode show that I didn't feel yeah, on the cutting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, regardless, th that's just me saying for me, I feel like what my heart desired was a big screen send off to these characters. Sure. Um, well, that, I feel like, that, I feel like know, the, that's regardless of the quality of the show. I do feel like the next gen cast got screwed out of their movie moments. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I Paramount has a history and hopefully this isn't where they are anymore, but they had a history of going, man, we really like that last Star Trek movie. Let's make another one. Let's cut the budget. Yeah. And let's go ahead and book it into theaters so that you don't have a whole lot of time to develop your script. Um, the, you know, I, first contact was great. Loved first contact. Yeah. Um, Nemesis and Insurrection, uh, flip it for the order, um, are terrible films. They're bad scripts, weak yeah. scripts, and they are, they are both, you know, poorly directed. Um, I just, I, I hate them both. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree. And I like yeah. Generations, but I also, understand that that was more of a transitional movie right 
um, well, not necessarily and, having the faith in the next generation crew, bringing in the old crew to kind of well, and it's deeply flawed. I mean, yeah. it's a deeply flawed film. I mean, you the killing off Captain. If you're going to bring the crews together, you bring the crews together. You spend mm-hmm. the fucking money. You make it a spectacle. You know, and the fact that they were trying to do Star Trek on the cheap, right? Is is where the, the the problem started. They should have said we spend whatever money we've got to spend to have the original crew face off against the new crew, right? Yeah. And then even if you're tell if you're going to tell basically the same story, Captain Kirk dies in his captain's chair, right? He dies. He should have been the one who crashed the Enterprise, right? He should have been the one who went down with the ship. He never should have been a guy who dies on a bridge out in the desert. Yeah. Yeah, just that should not have been how that went. Um, Lursa and Bator were not strong enough villains to take down the Enterprise, for Christ's sake. <laughs> just, well, if you ask William Shatner, he didn't die. <laughs> yeah, right. He, he returned. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to retread Star Trek Generations. We can do that in a special bonus yeah, clearly, episode. In clearly, our, that's, our, a worth, that's a worthwhile conversation. That's right. We can do that in our fee-paying member feed. But right. uh, Our OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Patreon. Um, but uh, this this show opens up with Beverly Crusher popping into screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we've all seen that in the trailers, and it's, it is it is literally the first shot of this episode. Uh, what did you think of Badass Beverly, Paul? I liked it. I liked it. You know, I, I have always been a fan of that character. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, seeing her front and, and center in the first shot of the show. Now that, so just to... You know, they have obviously hinted at this thing that went south with Beverly Crusher and Picard, you know, in, in pre-show interviews. So I, I pretty much saw the writing on the wall of, of, you know, what was going on with Beverly and, you know, the person she was protecting on her ship. And, you know, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But um, as to seeing her character front and center immediately, I liked it. I've always been a fan of her as a character. So yeah. I, it was it was good to see her. I like the changes they've made to her character. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I, well, and here's, I would be happy to be proven wrong, even though I'm not necessarily, it's not like I dislike it, but the whole storyline where everyone's like, yeah, you know, she kind of just disappeared 20 years ago. Didn't talk to anyone. What happened to her? Yeah. What's she Why'd doing? she cut us all off? And I'm like, oh yeah, it's because she had a kid with Picard and didn't want anyone to know. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, we, we haven't been revealed. That hasn't been revealed yet. Right. It's been revealed she has a son right. that is in his twenties around the time that right. Picard had a relationship and stopped talking to each other. Right. But you know, and I, I, what I find interesting is if that's true, apparently accents are genetic traits. I, I found that I was like, <laughs> why would he have that accent? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when he didn't grow up with Picard. But yeah. you know, yep. maybe she dated a maybe she dated a British man post Picard. Maybe she has a type. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was I was amused by that. I was like, huh, huh. I guess that's a genetic trait. You you inherit your father's accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, you know, we when we join when we join Picard, he is with Laris, and you know, if you you know, faithful listeners to this podcast will recall that I deeply love Laris. I, I think she's a terrific character. I like her a lot. I think we have seen all we're going to see of her this season in the few scenes with her and uh, Picard back at the, the uh, winery. I think so too. But uh, now before you leave this scene though, I do want to note there was an actual kiss <laughs> between Laris yeah. and Picard in this yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, which I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. They, they didn't do that last season. Now, it was just a soft, gentle, like, you know. Right. Like, hey, I care about you kind of kiss. Right. Um, but, you know, I think they're, they're if they are not already, they are fast on their way of becoming a couple. Because, you know, he's, you know, selling off all of his crap to to move with her. Yeah, no, right? I believe that they were. You know, I, I got yeah. the impression that they are now, you know, after the last season, a, a, a couple. He's going to join her on her, you know, her, her work. And he's just going to sip, you know, whatever, brandy on the beach while she works. And I was like, okay, yeah, he's joining his wife on a work trip or his girlfriend on a work yeah. trip. Um, so but, yeah, I, I, I got that impression from that scene. But it's nice to see that just like the rest of us, Picard couples up and she starts making him get rid of all the shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> 
and that's not fair because painting everything else has to go though (laughs) yeah i mean damn (laughs) well and we also in that in that first you know so so opening scene you know beverly crusher you know escaping she's being pursued she's escaping she's you know someone else is on the ship with her yet to be revealed so you know picard is donating his work to what is revealed at the time that geordie laforge is running a museum yeah the star trek museum yeah the star trek museum um, and so he is donating this work to, to Jordy, and I'm like, okay, I like that's that. The, I like that for Jordy. That's the picture of the Enterprise that hung in, I want to say, his ready room. Yeah, in, in uh, Next Generation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Which I thought, I, you know, I was like, damn, was it always that big? It seemed huge to me. Yeah, it's big. It's, it's big. like my old Scarface poster when I was in college. That's what it felt <laughs> like to me. <laughs> I did, you know, later in the episode, uh, we see that, you know, Eagle Moss still exists in the future. And, (laughs) you know, there are all these little Eagle Moss starships at Guinan's bar. Mm -hmm. And Riker comments on, you know, hey, you know, the, uh, the, when did Guinan start selling merchandise? And they're, oh, you know, it's for Frontier Day, yada, yada. And he's like, well, why do you have so many Enterprise Ds? And the bartender says, nobody likes the fat one. I died. I, I, I thought I was going to come. I, cause I, there hadn't been a much comedy before then, but when that hit, I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> well, especially in that scene, because Riker, you know, Jonathan Frakes, which I, 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 we haven't talked about it on the podcast and not to, not to objectify Jonathan Frakes, even though he's a handsome man, mm-hmm. um, has lost some significant weight, mm-hmm. um, in, in advance of this season and good for him. Cause I haven't figured it out. But um, I, I, I figured say, out the inverse of that. I can, uh, exactly. I can add the weight. I can I can bulk up. But uh, you know, well, they I say say matter that. is never destroyed, right? So I got That's Jonathan right. Frakes matter. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I, I will say the you know, so Picard, you know, he gets this distress signal from Beverly. He goes to Riker, and they meet in Diamond's bar, and you know. Um, now let's for, the, the 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 distress message from Beverly says. You know, Admiral Picard needs your help, gives, gives, you know, some code words to, you know, hint back to a prior mission and says, no Starfleet, trust no one. And what yeah, does he I, do? I know you love that. You're like, ah, oh, shit, another evil Starfleet here. Yeah, that is exactly right. That is a, that is a, a mark in the wrong column. Yeah, uh, for me. But the first the reference th- to the, but, but the coded message was a reference to. Um, the Borg episodes, you know, right. uh, of Star Trek Next Generation. Now, I do I think Borg will play into it? I don't know. There's quite a well, few Borg references in this episode. There are a lot, not the least of which being that the uh, musical cues they're using are from First Contact. Yeah, but on the flip side, it also feels like they already resolved the Borg yeah. storyline in the prior That's season. Weird. So, so it, I would be very curious it, if they actually delve into the Borg here, or if it's just fan service. It, yeah, it seems strange to me to be to to be leaning on leaning into the Borg so hard, as hard as they are when I feel like we've told that story in season two. Yeah, um, it makes me wonder what the hell's going on. Yeah. But I also feel well. I'll, I'll, we'll get to it at the end. Um, but you know, the, she says trust no one. And so what does he do? He calls Riker immediately. Down, yeah, I mean, like, you know, okay, like two minutes later, you know, he's meeting Riker in a bar. Yeah, and, and, they're, and they're and they're polishing off a bottle. Yeah, well, he's, they're thirsty. <laughs> when I when when my friends are in danger, first thing I'm going to do when my ex girlfriend's in danger, first thing <laughs> I'm going to do is drink. Yeah, um, and by the way, can I point out? You know, Laris is like, you got to go help your ex girlfriend. I mean, she's very supportive of this yeah. you know she doesn't do the you know you've got to make a choice her or me she's very much like you got to go it's this is the life we chose it's what you do i'll wait for you on the planet i'm going to um and and, and i thought that was very mature and it's a it's a nice clean way to get laris off the stage i cannot imagine a circumstance where my wife tells me yeah go help your ex-girlfriend don't worry about me. Yeah. I, well, and I, on top of that, you know, what I thought was interesting about that scene is, you know, she's like, go help your ex-girlfriend. She gives him a kiss. And then she's like, I'll see you when you get, I'll see you later. And I'm like, well, hold on. Like, he's not leaving right now. And you're not leaving right now. You guys are going to bed. Oh, she is the fuck but out of there. She, yeah. She, she's like, <laughs> you're sleeping on the couch. This is the last time I'll see you until this shit's resolved. <laughs> well, and I, I would have enjoyed uh, in that scene for him to say, well, you'll take number one with you, right? Yeah, I mean, like some yeah. reference to the dog that we got to meet in season one and saw a little bit of in season two. I would have liked there had to have been some reference to we're packing up number one. Yeah. You nope. know, 
Screw yeah, I, I think they, they've already taken number one to the shelter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, kind of in, in that moment, right? So, you know, Lars goes off screen. He immediately meets up with Riker in a bar. I will say the show got an immediate injection of life. Yeah. With Riker on screen. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean you know, even more first, so than his prior appearance. Number one, the camera loves Jonathan Frakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, he's just he's dripping in charisma. And, you know, one thing that I, I ha- I've had a problem with Patrick Stewart's performance all the way through since season one of Picard. Uh, and it's just his his energy is so low. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't he doesn't have the range that he used to have in his performance. And I miss that. I miss, you know, every now and again, him just, you know, brimming with energy. Uh, and I know it's because he's an old dude. I get it. I just well, it's also that, the, the cast. Right. You know, it's also yeah. who he's playing against. And they've all been, you know, dour, very serious. Right. You know, it hasn't been the rapport that he has with Riker. Right. And, you know, we see we see some of that life come back in. It was it was an immediate yeah. shot in the arm, I felt. No, I agree. I agree. I, I thought I thought it was great. I love the two of those guys together. Uh, you know, I love that. You know, immediately they fall into conspiracy. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, they they're just okay. You know, we'll we'll uh, we'll put some shit together. We can do this. But I was a little concerned when he made the com- when Riker makes the comment that uh, Deanna and their daughter would be glad to have him out of the house. It wasn't that. It wasn't like a you know a playful. You know, the, the, the wife is ready for me to go back on the road. It was ve- there was a very dark tone to yeah. it. Like there is problems at the Riker house. Yeah, uh, I didn't like that. I didn't like that a lot. I mean, I, you know, I, I get it. You know, we're going to we're going to have some complications and, you know, tell some challenging stories. But I really do liked in 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 uh, season one of Picard how together the Rikers were. Yeah. You know, and I just boy, I, I kind of hate that. So. So yeah, you know they uh, they uh, put together a ruse, as Riker calls it, to mm-hmm. uh, get a starship, the USS Titan, which is the Neo Constitution class uh, uh, model uh, class of starship, uh, which looks, which is so in the line of the original Enterprise and the movie Enterprise. I just I, I love the look of this ship. Uh, oh, yeah, I, it is super sharp. I mean, all my complaints about Starship design in seasons one and two of Picard are out the door because this looks like a motherfucking Starship. Yeah, I mean, it, this looks like it's going to do some business. Now, uh, internally, it looks kind of like Discovery, which I don't love, but you know, it, it beautiful, beautiful exterior. It's it's a good looking ship, and. Uh, uh, I, I I liked everything about it, and I love you know when the two of them board, you know they got the bosun's whistle, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just the whole thing. Uh, what I didn't love is I'm not real wild about Captain Shaw. I think is his name. And I understand you're supposed to hate him, but at the uh-huh. same time, you know, to your mustache twirling, uh uh-huh. he felt like overly an asshole. Well, and I just don't know how you how you can be so overtly disrespectful of people who, you know, have, have time and again demonstrated their loyalty and bravery in, in uh, support of Starfleet and the Federation. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know how that happens. And, you and know, still be I, a by the books guy, right? Yeah. So you, with the, you can't show disrespect to an admiral and the prior captain of the ship that you're on. Yeah. Um, and still be like, a by the books kind of guy. I didn't like him and I, I get, I'm supposed to not like him. And I gather from comments that I've heard as he demonstrates his competency later in the series. So I'm going to be hopeful for that. Cause I really hate the idiot Starfleet commander. You know, I yeah. like to see, I want to see people who are, you know, maybe not as heroic as, you know, Captain Kirk and Picard and Cisco and, and Janeway. Uh, but, but they're, they should be competent and they should be, you know, prime examples of what Starfleet has to offer. And his mistreatment of seven of nine is really concerning to me. Yeah. Because Uh, it's like, isn't, isn't that the whole point of Starfleet in the future is acceptance and uh, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. And he he forces seven of nine to use her, her birth human name. name. Yeah. Human name. 
Yeah. Yeah, like, Annika Hansen versus the name that she prefers, Seven. You know, yeah. she dropped the of nine, <laughs> but she goes by Seven. And I mean, when her lover calls her Seven, um, it seems that uh, that that shouldn't be a thing. And what what bugs me is, you know, we saw that episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation where Ro Laren, you know, says, "Hey, you know, you're going to use my Bajoran naming conventions, which means, you know, you'll call me Ensign Ro, not Ensign Laren. And by the way, I'm going to wear this." Hearing right, uh, you know, to because she was standing up for her ethnic identity. Yeah, and I'm sorry that in a world where we are all about identity, it just really bothered me. But this is what we've been missing from Star Trek. This is metaphor. Him not allowing her to go by the name she chooses is exactly the kind of story, is exactly what we see happening in society right now, the battle on transgender identity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And instead of it being, you know, like in Strange New Worlds or in worst case, even uh, worst example or even better example is Discovery, where it's just all out there on the nose, right? Yeah. There is no metaphor. It's just this is this. This is metaphor. This is him making her align with his vision rather than letting her lean into her own identity. And Mm. so I think that's really well done. And that's the reason why I reacted to it the way I did is that's what good storytelling does, Paul. It makes you react (laughs) in a way that is in line with the story, not just, I hate this fucking show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, also in that introduction on the Titan, we meet uh, Sidney LaForge. Mm-hmm. Which was, you know, I thought that scene was very cute. Um, yeah, you know, her just beaming at them. Yeah, <laughs> is, there, is there something wrong with her? <laughs> um, no, that was a great scene, and you know, to the point of the next generation, I, I kind of feel like we're, we're setting something up here, right? We're setting something up with uh, Crusher, maybe Picard's son, you know, yeah. Jordy LaForge's daughter. We yeah. know Riker has it's, a kid. Well, you know, the t- the show, the title of the show is the next generation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just saying, just saying. So you know, uh, after you know, Captain Shaw is uh, you know d- does not allow himself to be manipulated by uh, Picard and Riker and their ruse. Uh, Seven just takes the ship where the guys want to go anyway. Yeah, which is great. So, yeah. <laughs> um, before we get into the the ending, because that's you know that's basically where the show ends. Uh, meanwhile, Rafi. You know, is working undercover and uncovers some type of a conspiracy um, involving the Red Lady. And I, I just want to pause here and say, as soon as Rafi showed up on screen, I groaned. Yeah, same. I really, same. you know, I don't know why I have such a strong dislike for that character. Yeah, I don't care for her either. Um, but I, you know, part of it's the acting, part of it's the, uh, you know, the the way her character is gone. But I feel like. I would have been fine with them wrapping up her story last season in the same way they wrapped uh-huh. up. Um, I would have preferred them get yeah, rid of Rafi and kept Laris. Yeah. You know, I, I, I have not cared for Rafi. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the actor is fine. I just don't care for the character she's playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I particularly do not care for her history of addiction. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact, I mean, I, I'm fine with it in her backstory. I don't want to see her struggling with it. And, <clears throat> I and that's a personal taste on mine. I just I I hate those kinds of stories. Yeah, uh, and I feel like all... it's already been resolved, right? You know, it's one of those right. things that's already resolved. Like the, to my point about fat on the bone, that felt like fat on the bone. Yeah, well, and you know, you see her staring at the drugs that she acquires, and you know, it, 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 she is struggling to leave them behind. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, oh, God, I hate that. I, I really, I, I really, really, really hate that. Yeah. It's just not a story I want to see with one of our main characters. Um, and I know that's my personal bias, but uh, I, I hate that. And I, I really, I don't enjoy Rafi. I just don't. I don't either. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I don't. I, hopefully, they will demonstrate a need for her later in the story. Uh, I just don't see it. I do think her handler is Worf, though. I do too. Yeah, I mean, when it, when the word warrior was used, I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's Worf. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's how it incorporates. Yeah, you know, obvious, but yeah, uh, and in a movie, <laughs> I feel like that story would lift right out. Right. Um. But anyway, yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's how we'll 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 come across Worf because yeah. Rafi has uncovered this conspiracy, and it, and it results in an attack. With a giant hole in the sky, Aaron. Yeah. Well, but it's that quantum tunneling. Yeah. 
you know, you, you you shove it down the hole and then you drop it back out of the hole. Now, remind what what building was it that they? I think that was Starfleet Academy. I thought so too. Or Starfleet and, but, headquarters. But the fact that we're not clear on it because I was a little unclear. I'm like, wait, because I Academy? was looking for the Golden Gate Bridge because that would tell you that it was San Francisco, which yeah. is where the Academy is located and Starfleet headquarters is located. I think that's what it was. I meant to go back and rewatch it this morning, and I just didn't have time. Yeah. Also, I was busy watching uh, Superman the animated series. But, uh, better use. No. The, well, the, the, yeah, I'm, I'm. You know, now that I've completed all of my Star Trek rewatches. I'm, I'm rewatching Superman the Animated Series. Oh, such a good, such a good. It show. is such a good show. We actually have a show not on this feed. If you're listening to this through the Star Trek feed, but on our Funny Books feed, we actually had a, a Superman Animated Series conversation once. Uh huh. Anyway, we, we called that Superman with Aaron Paul. With Aaron Paul. Yeah. We, we we have imaginative titles here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know the, the the Quantum Tunnel takes Starfleet Academy drops it through the ground and then places it above the adjacent city and drops it from there on top of the adjacent city. Yeah. Which was pretty damn gnarly. Right. I mean, that was all like, huh? Yeah. You don't see that every day. So more to come in that story, but that's where that story leaves off, you know, with that cliffhanger. Um, and then, you know, flashback or flash two, I should say, um, you know, now, now Picard and Riker have been not only, you know, helped by seven of nine, they're, they're also given a shuttle to, uh, To, to go see what 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 Beverly doing on that ship right well what what Beverly's right doing Federation space what Beverly's doing on that ship is sitting in a refrigerator like Ron Mars wrote this thing <laughs> exactly <laughs> they fridged Beverly Crusher that's right <laughs> who let Ron Mars in here um, <laughs> love you Ron Not that yeah, yeah. <laughs> friend friend of the podcast friend Ron of the Mars. podcast Ron yeah. Uh, she is in a life support tube that someone shoved her in, that someone being apparently her son. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, we, 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 we don't know much about him yet because right before we're about to get some exposition, the bad guys show up. And what I got to say is a design of Starship reminiscent of the Romulan mining ship from Star Trek 2009. I felt very much the same. So I'm like, wait, is this the Romulans? But did you catch the music cue? Mm, I, well, there was this, I didn't. There was this blong when it arrives, which is very reminiscent of V'ger from Star Trek The Motion Picture. They are giving me so many different visual and audio cues in this episode, you know, between, you know, the, the first contact soundtrack being used, uh, you know, some of the, the, uh, you know, visual clues in the background. I'm just like, what are you trying to tell me with all of this? So I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm like, I don't know if I should take meaning from this because it was that very much that V'ger sound. Blong. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I, I'm not sure. I don't know what to, what to read into that yet. And I know I'm going to know more next week. Next week. But, you know, before we get into uh, talking about next week, the um, Picard's title uh, sequence has been replaced yeah. with just a title card. Thankfully. Oh, yeah. Can, can we just say thank God for that? Thank God. I, I, I'm, I am so pleased that we don't have one of these plotting opening credit sequences. The fact that it just goes Star Trek Picard and you're into show. Fuck yes. Yes. All exactly. shows need to do that. Kind of like Andor, you know, it's just, uh-huh. just give me like 15 seconds of title done. Don't yeah. give me a minute and a half long sequence. Yeah. Um, but you know, instead the sequence is at the end. Right. Yeah. Um, and I like that. And it was, uh, you know, uh, the music in that, you know, because it, you know, it starts off kind of Picardish and then goes basically into the next generation um, well, it's the it's the first contact suite. Yeah, that they first used contact suite. That that then in incorporates the uh, uh, next generation Star Trek march. You it's know, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I love that music. I I, I love that first contact soundtrack and I like the sequence. I mean, I don't need yeah. to see it at the beginning of every episode, but it was nice. Yeah. Well, and you know, I like being able to read all the panels. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that What's was going fun. up there. Are these yeah. hints? Is this Jeff well, Johns and, writing? And a, sending me hints. <laughs> there were there was a series of ship uh, silhouettes on one of the screens. I'm like, I think that's the Cerritos, and I kept meaning to go back and and pause that oh. screen, but I'm like, I think that's the Cerritos. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, I you know I I love that sort of deep cut stuff, and let's just say I. I, th- I think you disagree, but I think the set dressing here is gorgeous. Um, I think the starship looks like a fucking starship. Um, 
I, the, they shot the bridge right. You know, my big complaint on Discovery and Strange New Worlds is that the bridges are too big. And the bridge seemed appropriately tight. Still larger than what we had in Next Generation, but that's okay. We're, we're in widescreen uh, television format now. But it didn't seem like they were casting in a great big, you know, rec room. You know, it felt like we were on the bridge of a working ship, and the ship looked... I thought the bridge looked badass. I liked it. Yeah, agreed. So, all right, Paul. Um, I think we're at that place in the show where we say, hey, we want to know what you thought about Star Trek Picard Season 3, Episode 1. Give us a call. And I'm going to look that phone number up again because, you know, again, I don't have it memorized yet. But it is 682-800-3494, I believe. I'm double-checking. Sounds like a star date. It does, doesn't it? It is 682-800-3494. Give us a call. Leave us a message. Tell us what you thought about this week's show. And if we use your voicemail on our show, you can win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on the aforementioned uh, social media feed, Geek, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We would love to hear from you. We would love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. And maybe Will Wheaton will call and talk to us about Ready Room. <laughs> maybe. He's, maybe he's all into this Ready Room with Aaron and Polly. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're interested in Jellystone. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let us know that. That's right. Well, and maybe maybe uh, if we can't get Kevin Costner, we can get Kurt Russell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you're pissed yeah. that we spent 20 minutes talking about Yellowstone on your Star Trek podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that, too. Tell us about that, too. I'm not sure it's going to change, <laughs> yeah. but we'll keep it in mind. That's right. We'd love to he- we'd love to hear your complaints. <laughs> Especially about Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We'll do it all again next week uh, right here on IOMGeek.com. See you then. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at 682-800-3494. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers, conveniently located on the promenade.